time for any of our children who are planning to go to Children's Church to head off. Miss Gretchen is back in the back. gospel lesson is from John, the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. And the lectionary encourages us to use the prologue of John at least one time during the Advent and Christmas season because of its centrality to the story of Jesus. Hear God's words for you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. In a real sense, that is the message of the coming Christmas. In the midst of a dark, perplexing, fearful, sometimes quite frankly terrifying world, there comes someone that is to be the light in that darkness, the very Son of God in human flesh. John's Gospel, like Mark last week, is not very interested in the birth narratives of Jesus. Luke is the one that tells us the old familiar story of a census and of Mary and Joseph and a journey and shepherds. That's the account we think of as the Christmas story. It's Matthew who tells us about wise men or magi. And according to Matthew, they don't come to the stable, whatever the stable was. They come to a house, and it's several weeks or maybe even several months after the birth. The wise men are the epiphany story, not Christmas. But we just love to lump them all together. It's just the way human beings are. We want to make the gospel story all cohesive, so we take the two narratives and we shove them together. Have you ever seen a crèche that didn't have wise men in it? Have you ever seen a Christmas pageant that didn't have wise men in it? For that matter, we're not told there was three wise men either. We're told there were three gifts. 
It might have been 20 wise men for all we know. The fact is, each of the Gospels have a different mission. They've got a different audience. And so they tell the story of Jesus in ways that are unique and different, and they're not very blendable. It's hard to throw the stories into it and mix it all up and have one cohesive story. It doesn't work like that. John never specifically tells us about Christmas. John's emphasis on Jesus is that the Lord God Almighty has come to earth in a new way. The Holy One of Israel, the very Word of God, has become a human being. While the Scriptures invite us in some places to remember that His name is Emmanuel, which means God will be with us, John speaks of the Almighty incarnate in human flesh, and how absurd that seems to anybody who heard it. The Lord God Almighty, the Creator, becoming incarnate, coming into a darkened world like this one as a baby. Ridiculous. That's the scandal of Advent and Christmas. There is nothing in the human mind that can be more scandalous than the God who gives up all the power and the prerogative of the Godhead and looks like us with all the same kind of weaknesses. Why would God do something like that? Surely there ought to have been a different way. Surely God could have found a different way to do all this. But no. God chooses what humanity finds foolish or silly. That's what the Apostle Paul says, and that's what we all believe. Like all human beings, we struggle in our own existence because we know that we are caught somewhere between life as God intended us to live it and life on that lower plane where our own sinful humanity has pushed us. So often we struggle in the darkness. Sometimes it's our own making, sometimes it's beyond our control. We try to explain the mess we've made of life and of the world. And the little phrase that I hear, and Lord help me, I've used it, well, after all, I'm only human. I'm not perfect, just human. That is precisely the problem of Christmas and the Incarnation forces us to see. The problem is not that we're just human. The problem is that we are somehow less than human. We're less than God created us to be. But in Jesus Christ, God gives us this perfect example of what real humanity is supposed to look like. In large measure, that's why Jesus comes to earth as a baby and grows up as a child and a teenager and becomes an adult to give us the chance to see what real humanity is supposed to look like. A very ambitious young woman was meeting with one of her socialite friends and she said, oh my, yes, uh, we can trace our ancestry back, back, well, back 
I don't know exactly how long, but we've been descending for several generations. Hadn't we all? And until we understand that real humanity, humanity on God's terms, we will go right on descending, not ascending. I happen to be a fan of fantasy. I know many of you grew up reading the Chronicles of Narnia series. Maybe you saw the movies if you didn't read the books. But Lewis has one of the characters say, take my advice, if you meet anything that's going to be human and isn't yet, or that used to be human and no longer is, keep both eyes on it and reach for your weapons. The problem is not that we're just human, as if that's supposed to fix everything, or explain everything, or excuse everything. The problem is we're not human enough, at least in the way God conceived our humanity. We're less than the humanity God created us for. Some of you will remember the name Eric Fromm. He was a great social psychologist in the 20th century, and he writes about our failure to live up to our humanity by saying that we market personality. And this is what he says. He says, our lives become more complicated and busier, and we seek speed more than we seek relationship. Life becomes less and less personal, and relationship more and more fleeting. Since time is equated with money, we no longer have time for anyone. People only become things. The cashier becomes a hand with money or with our receipt. The clerk becomes a voice with answers. The child becomes a nuisance with a need. As one Christian writer puts it, our concern is no longer how to worship in the catacombs, but rather how to remain human in the age of computers. Christmas and its message of hope really is the only way we stand a chance of recapturing who God made us to be to recapture what we were before the fall, to use that kind of language. Now, I've already said, when we contemplate Christmas, we're apt to recall those stories. We think of stables and sheep and cattle and donkeys and newborn babies and all those things. But when John writes in the beginning of his gospel, it's with a much broader view. As we see in today's text, John puts Christ in the proper perspective by placing him in the very beginning with God as the creative agent through whom God creates. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word is that dynamic creativity of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. That's what it says. The light shines in the darkness. John takes the big picture. The God we read of in Genesis, the God who purely from his own mind, his own creativity creates the universe, chooses now to come 
to the earth as a baby. The true life that enlightens everyone is coming into the world. But how's he coming? As a child. The life that enters the world in that babe of Bethlehem is the one that is capable of restoring the humanity we have somehow let partially slip away. For all who receive him, who believe in his name, he has given the power to become children of God. You see, the real purpose of Jesus Christ coming to be one of us is not to show us how far we've fallen as human beings. The real purpose of Jesus coming is to make possible the restored relationship with God thus giving us back the humanity we were intended to have. It's in Christ that we understand what being fully human is supposed to be. For it is in Him that we see everything that a human being was meant to be. In fact, you could easily argue that the only person who has ever really lived a complete human life is Jesus Himself. The truly human one also defines not only who God is, but who we're supposed to be. That's what Christmas has come to change. For in this moment, this fully human, fully divine Son of God comes to restore human life. We can become children of God, not perfect but children who are in that continuing process of becoming more than we ever thought we could be. That's what the Christ event's about. That's why he came. That's why he took the inhumanity of us on himself, that we might know that rebirth. I find it very interesting that the very traits that we most admire in human beings lived at their highest is also those traits we find in God. All the finer, nobler characteristics which we hope to achieve as human beings is precisely what it means to be created in the image of God. And that ought to change our entire perspective of what it means to be human. For us to grow toward real God-envisioned humanity, we have to have an example of what humanity looks like. And we have it. We have it in the child. The child that grows to be an adult. The child who lives and ministers and ultimately dies and is resurrected for us. See, the problem in our world is that people are looking for humanity in all the wrong places. We intellectualize, we philosophize, we try to find what is humanity. We describe it out of our own emotions, out of our own feelings. Now, self-understanding is a fine thing. Self-examination is a valuable tool. But if we seek answers only within our own experience, then we will find there's very little answers left to be found when it's all done. That's why the church emphasizes community. The reading, the studying of Scripture, small groups, Sunday school, all the ways we learn. In a world that can accept anything and everything is good just because it happens to meet somebody's emotional need, we have to have a place that has more authority than that. How
how can we expect to pattern our lives after the eternal living Word unless we read the written Word that tells us? We live in a time of growing biblical illiteracy where many people, even though we say we believe in Jesus and even spend time in church, have no idea what it means to live life as a disciple. And so often it's because we don't spend much time in the handbook. We're going to try to do something about that this coming year. Shane and I had a conversation this week. You're going to be challenged shortly to spend 2015 as the year of the Bible and to read through the entire Scripture in the course of a year. Possible. Done it. I see heads nodding. Some of you have done it. Do it again. To find real humanity, we don't need to look just inside us. We have to look to where we find what Jesus looks like. And that's what the Christmas story gives us. The ancient stories tell the truth about us and about our world, and it's tied up in the one who was the Word. The one who is real human. And who offers us the ability to become more human and to live a life that's more satisfying and wonderful than perhaps we've ever imagined. And so my hope and prayer for the remainder of this Advent and then into the Christmas season is that we can begin to discover for ourselves this depth of humanity in the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.